You are now listening to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I'm joined by Vanessa Lopez. Although Vanessa previously worked in healthcare and is a licensed esthetician by trade, she has temporarily sidelined that part of her life to strictly focus on her health, her family, and her home life. Having a really complex and health-challenged past that started in her teen years, she has currently dedicated much of her time towards learning about total body wellness and what it takes to truly heal from any chronic condition. Very much still immersed in her own healing process, Vanessa loves to share and gently educate others on all she has learned through the years. In her spare time, you'll usually find her hanging with her two rescue dogs, Pearl and Tilly. She also loves to read, write, as well as listen to podcasts and create social media content. She very much looks forward to picking up some of her passions again soon, which include traveling and getting back into fitness. I can't tell you how full of information this episode is. You're just going to have to listen to it. I mean, we talk about everything. We talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly side of supplements, the consequences to taking certain supplements that are deemed extremely important according to mainstream and even alternative medicine, and how to create an environment which will allow our body to heal. I absolutely love Vanessa. I love the content that she puts out. She's thoughtful, she's purposeful, and she really does her research. I know that you are going to get so much out of this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Hello. Hi, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited for our little chat. Me too. All right. So before we get started and I ask you, you know, about all of your health knowledge, I'd love for you to share with our listeners how you got into researching health and kind of a little bit about your story. Wow. How long do you have? (laughs) The long version. We always want the long version. (laughs) Okay, so let's see. Um, So about 20, now almost four years ago. um, So I was a senior in high school. I'm 41. Uh, So um, I was a senior in high school and I came down with a sickness. That sickness happened to be um, mono um, or, you know, mononucleosis, which is actually the, it's basically Epstein-Barr. Okay, so Epstein-Barr is what causes mono. But my case was extremely severe and pretty different than the average person. Um, I actually contracted hepatitis on top of it. It was just an infectious hepatitis that was brought on by the body being so weak. Um, The liver was so weak, the spleen, it was incredibly weak. Um, And so I was bedridden for um, a, a decent portion of my senior year in high school. And, um, went through the standard, you know, I was still seeing my pediatrician at the time, went through the standard protocol of going to the doctor and they, you know, they thought it was, it was a very unique case. 
Um, they said that actually my pediatrician said that in his 20 years or more of practice, he had never seen something so severe um, in terms of this particular virus. Wow. So I recovered slowly, was able to graduate from high school. Thank God, thank God for some really great teachers and some very, just a lot of help along the way. Um, and then I really, I really thought it was done. I thought I was going to get back onto my feet, which I sort of did. But when I started to enter college, I realized that my health, there were just little warning signs going off. I started to get digestive problems. Um, I started to just not feel my best. And this went on for a few years before I really started to get more severe again. I would say the biggest um, symptom that I had in my early college years, or I should say late teen, early college, was digestive troubles, a lot of digestive troubles, um, you know, diagnosed with a good old IBS. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what had two colonoscopies by the time I was 26, 25 or 26, um, and was kind of put through the ringer, but in more of a traditional approach. Um, let's just feed you with some antibiotics and go on your merry way. And that cycle occurred for several years through my twenties. So I started to wake up a little bit. I started to question the system. I started to see myself go down a road that didn't feel good, uh, mentally and physically. And yeah, it sort of started to spiral. I would say again, um, in my mid to late twenties, I really started to see a lot uh, happen. That was very, I, it was unbeknownst to me, pretty much the start of extremely long road, which I kind of already thought I had been down, but little did I know. So that's sort of the first part. Mm -hmm. What's part two? Part two is I was actually working as a as a personal trainer in my early to mid twenties. And I then kind of ventured out. I was starting to have some trouble with my right hip. Um, I thought it was purely physical and, um, which I, I knew I had some mechanical issues. Um, I don't, I have some interesting genes quote unquote, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I started to get a lot of pain. I did go into a little bit of therapy, but I realized that personal training was sort of something I had to step out of. So I ended up going into, um, like uh, I started to work for doctors, chiropractors, acupuncturists. I managed a couple different offices. Um, and at the time I, at this point, I think I was working for a spinal care center for people who had chronic back, back and spinal issues, um, failed surgeries and stuff like that. And during that time, I started to see my hip and leg basically just take a turn for the worst. I was almost dragging it at one point um, to where my own patients were saying, you need to be in my position. At the same time, my health, um, internal health started to deteriorate. I started to develop um, an onset of pretty terrible anxiety. I started to get panic attacks. Um, I started to become somebody that I really didn't recognize, sort of a high wired version of my old self, but some, some, I almost felt like I wasn't in my own body anymore. 
And I was passed from doctor to doctor. They couldn't really figure it out. Rheumatologist, this, that, and the other. And um, things got so bad that at the age 27, 27, 28, I actually had to remove myself. I was had to leave work um, completely, go into pretty detailed physical therapy for my hip and really tend to my health internally um, at that time. But it was kind of the start of a further downfall. Um, By that time I was in therapy and I was just, I was just spiraling because I really didn't understand what was happening. I had no, I knew in my gut that what had happened to me as a teen was somehow related, but I had no idea that, 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 that this onset of all of this stuff um, could be such a result of that, that trauma. So, um, and are you gosh. talking about having mono or something else? Mono, but there is a backstory to that. I mean, I, I think that the reason why I got mono was because my body was weak. And I think that there was a couple of reasons for that. Um, I think the stress of high school, I had a great, great time in high school. I, I wasn't one of those kids that, uh, had a, had a, you know, a tough go. I, I will definitely say I had a great experience, but I think there was sort of two things that come to mind when I think about that time, if we're, if we're going to go back there real quick. Number one is I think emotionally, um, I was at an interesting time in my high school career <laughs> where I had gone through a, a breakup. I was really sad about it. I had, you know, I was really devastated. I was sort of left, um, was sort of left, so to speak. And I, it was my first real relationship. And I really didn't, I really was going through a lot in, in terms of not having closure, right? I'm 16, 17 years old and I'm just, something was on and then it was off. And I think I felt um, very abandoned at that time. So I think I was going through a lot emotionally. At the same time, I was heading into my senior year, ready to go through, I played soccer and ready to go through my senior year of soccer. And I get a blood test back that says I'm quote unquote, low in iron and I have severe anemia. Okay, well, that's weird. I didn't even really know. I mean, yeah, I'm a little tired, but okay. So what do they do? They put me on iron pills. So I think now this goes to sort of what we were talking about earlier, which was, um, I believe that my body became very iron overloaded and there's so much misconception with these minerals and iron. Um, and I believe that this influx of iron that I was putting into my body actually suppressed my immune system so much that I then came down with this virus. Um, And, you know, we're all exposed to viruses every day. We are, we are filled with them, you know, but if we have a great terrain, we're able to maintain um, our daily lives, you know, and our immune systems work and they, they should work well. But when you are, when you, you mess with the beautiful system that is our body and our immune system, like I did, you know, obviously I was just following orders. Um, I became, I think, super deficient 
in certain things and very toxic in others. And I think it just landed me in the place that I then was, which I became very sick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then what happened when you were like late twenties? So it started to go. So I went into, um, physical therapy pretty much full time. It was pretty intense. Um, still didn't have found a doctor in, um, Southern California here who opened my eyes a bit. Um, she's actually a fairly, she's fairly well-known, um, down here, Dr. Lee Keneally. Um, at the time, you know, she was just starting her, she runs a huge camp cancer center down here as well. And she opened my eyes a bit to root cause medicine. So I found her and I was also going to physical therapy and the physical therapist told me that I had to, um, that I was mechanically so off. I had to throw a lift in my shoe in every single shoe that I wore on the right side. So I had to relearn how to walk with a lift in my shoe. So every shoe that I owned was either stripped apart um, and the sole was manipulated and sewn back together. Or if it was some like a fun shoe, like a heel or a flat, I'd have to take it to a cobbler and get it altered. Um, I was in that lift for nearly a decade. And while it seemed to be something that was helping at the time, what had occurred was it actually just band-aided the problem, which ended up hindering me further down the line, which is part of what I'm experiencing right now. Um, But, you know, I kind of swam upstream slowly out of that time. Um, I, I will say that I by no means got to the bottom of things, but I started to come up and out. I started to sort of find my life again. Um, still going to PT. And then by the time I was 29, I decided to go back to school and start fresh. Uh, I didn't want to go back to dealing with patients and being surrounded with so many people that were in pain. Cause I think that was really hard for me to be in an environment, in a situation where people were really suffering. And I, you know, I learned about myself <laughs> quite a bit in the last 10 plus years, you know, I'm pr- pretty much an empath, very absorbent and was really taking on a lot of that energy, which I think was not great for my nervous system mm-hmm. or my healing. So I wanted to sort of still help people, but be in a more positive environment. So I went to esthetician school. <laughs> I think I was probably the oldest one there. And um, I graduated and then I started working again when I turned 30. And so, yeah, I, I did that for several years um, until my mid thirties. And again, just sort of um, cruising, you know, not necessarily healthy, but not necessarily unable to li- to live, you know, still not really getting to the bottom of things, but, but understanding more about what was happening. And what at that time was going on for you still, where you still like, weren't getting to the bottom, like, were you still having like hip pain or digestive yes. issues? Like what was going on for you? I think, um, digestion, digestive issues were definitely on and off through the years. Um, you know, and when your nervous system is super imbalanced, that's always going to be an issue. I think, well, for most people, yeah, for most people, um, and yeah, a lot of chronic pain, a lot of chronic pain. Uh, I worked on my feet for anywhere from six to nine hours a day as well. 
um, and not in comfy shoes. So I was, I was working on that lift as well. So I was, you know, I was doing my best, but I was definitely living in a state of pain, you know, whether it was at a two or at an eight, uh, it was present every day. Um, I also had a lot of viral issues still from the Epstein bar. Um, and the, it, it would spring up a lot. You know, I would definitely have a lot of brain fog. I'd have a lot of kind of getting sick at the drop of a hat, but looking back, was I really sick or was I just um, expressing symptoms of this lingering situation, which was this viral situation, you know, that was just always rearing its head because Epstein-Barr loves a body that is high wired, that's mm. dysregulated, and that isn't balanced. It's not in homeostasis. So I was just always sort of battling stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you, so like, what are the steps that you took or currently take? Um, I don't know a ton about Epstein Bar. I definitely know that. Um, it's, it's dry from mono getting mono and it can rear its ugly head when you get different viruses. Um, Mm -hmm. but what does that look like treating it? Because I mean, tons of people probably listening to this have had mono and yeah. And it's interesting because the statistics are like, I want to say about 90% of the population comes in contact with Epstein-Barr at one time, which, um, I don't, I don't, I know that quite, quite a few people actually probably don't know this. I didn't know this when I was younger, but Epstein-Barr is a herpes virus. Yep. So it's actually herpes virus four. So you have HSV one, two, three, and four. And, um, herpes viruses in general, they love the nerves, right? They, they live on the nerves, basically. They just, that's where they, that's where they, they settle in. Um, and so treatment for that you know, there is a, a, a lot of people out there who have chronic. See, what I think too is people who have like chronic fatigue syndrome and things like that. This is typically underneath there, mm. I think, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I never got a handle on treatment until I met my current doc. So my current doctor is an angel on earth. <laughs> um, I met him when I was 30, almost 36. I've been with him ever since. And he opened my eyes in ways that um, I never thought possible. I never, I never, from looking at my body from a standpoint of it has the ability to heal my, to heal itself. I actually really thought I was broken for the majority of my adult life up until a couple of years ago. I really thought that I would never be somebody who would see true health again. Mm. Never. And so he, he taught me, um, a lot about how to trust the body's innate system, but also tackle things. So he does muscle testing, applied kinesiology. Um, so the body tells the practitioner what it's doing, what it wants. Um, and muscle testing is pretty fascinating for someone who's, you know, never experienced it before. I'm really used to it now because I've been doing it for many years. So, um, He'll do a lot of work with muscle testing, manipulation of the spine, um, you know, and small, it's kind of hard to explain, but 
little techniques using the activator that go and Love kind of, you know, yep. And manipulate the nervous system to send messages to the body to say, Hey, this is the, this is an area that needs healing. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that he approaches it through muscle testing is he's able to gather what part of me is in need at that time or what we're, what's, what's distressed. Um, there's also frequency therapy. So I started doing rife, rife frequency about a year or so ago. And um, the rife machine is as old as the hills. It's been around for a really long time. But um, I started doing that intermittently. I've and, never heard um, of that. Yeah. And I, I will say that it is a pretty powerful uh, modality. Um, I know there's a lot of different rife machines out there, but it's definitely been something that I've seen, I've had progress with. I still, I will be honest, I still have a ways to go. Um, you know, when you've been dealing with something for two and a half decades, it's not an overnight process. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, there's, and then obviously supplementation is really important. The right supplementation, um, which muscle testing helps because you know, you're kind of able to see, oh, is this a, is this suitable for my body or is this not suitable for my body? Not just blindly supplement. Mm -hmm. And then obviously looking at all foundational things, how are you sleeping? What is your, what is your personal life? Like, how are you eating? Um, have you been exposed to, or I should say, have you dealt with trauma? Uh, looking at the nervous system, learning about sympathetic versus parasympathetic, different ways that I can move through um, this process and do it without judgment and shame and understand that, that these responses that I've had through the years, this overactiveness of um, hypersensitivity, right? Because someone in chronic pain is often very sensitive towards anything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Anything. I walk into a wall, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm in pain for three weeks, you know, you, someone else walks into a wall and they're, they're cool in two hours. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, a it's definitely a multi factorial approach. Mm -hmm. I should say, mm -hmm. um, so much to say. I'd love to know about, um, so what exactly does muscle testing entail and how would you know what supplements to take from it? Okay. So I always give this example when I'm telling a friend what muscle testing is. So say you have, you, you feel a little off every single time you eat an apple. So the practitioner will, will, will be in front of you and he'll give you an apple and he'll, you'll, he'll say, hold this in your hand and you'll hold it in your hand. And he'll ask you to, um, hold out your other hand. And what it does, what he does is he tries to, there's different ways. I've seen practitioners do this, but in, in my case with my practitioner, he'll use, um, muscle testing to see if that the energy of that apple is a positive or a negative for your body. So if you're holding that apple and you're unable to resist him, if he's pushing down on your arm and you're, you're unable to resist him, then that apple 
is probably doing something to your, to your body that isn't, that is, you know, creating an imbalance. Um, if you're strong now, again, this is my experience with the way my practitioner practices. Um, if you're strong against him, then that apple is not the cause. So, um, now this is probably beyond my scope of explanation, but he has books of vials at, with um, energetically uh, stuffed with different viruses, bacterias, um, gosh, pathogens, uh, dust, even yeah, just all manner of things. Yes. Anything that you can think of. And he could test the body to see if the body is, um, you know, if there's something that the body is dealing with. Mm. So I've sent, you know, probably 30 plus people to him in the last, probably more in the last several years. And I've seen people who have been at their wits end, truly their wits end with their health. And, um, he was able to nail it because the body is, giving him the answer. Amazing. So, yeah. And it's not, I mean, as much as I think he's very gifted, he'll always say it's your body and your body mm-hmm. will always let you know. Mm-hmm. Body's always going to tell the story. We just have to listen to it. Yeah. Wow. So, that's and I, I went in there skeptical and I went in there t- telling myself, I'm not going to tell him, I'm not going to tell him half the things that I'm dealing with. Cause I want to see if he can pick up on it within five minutes. He knew the whole, my whole life story. Wow. I didn't tell him half of it. <laughs> so, t- amazing. so talk a little bit more about, um, taking iron supplements because that's so common. You talk a lot about it on social media, um, with copper and you're so knowledgeable in this. I'd love for you to share that because there are a bazillion and that's my, um, my academic <laughs> way of explaining a bazillion people taking iron supplements and eating food that ha- that contains synthetic yeah. iron, like breakfast cereals, just putting that out there. Fortified. There oh, is iron. Those videos? In, there's iron in breakfast cereals, yeah, like iron is, flakes. There is. I know yeah. I've seen the, the, when they're using the magnet, it's very, it's it. Yeah. It's pretty. It's so talk about, to- talk about iron, why it's, um, why it can be negative to take it and what it does to our body. Yeah. So, um, what I've learned in my research over the last, especially a couple of years is that the medical community in general, I think is pretty, um, they really don't necessarily know or speak the full picture when it comes to iron and mostly minerals in general. I think minerals are uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, misinformation out there about minerals. Um, but you know, everyone is so focused on anemia, like, oh, we're anemic and you're anemic or you, you have low energy. You must have anemia. Mm. And, um, that's not necessarily the case. And after so much digging and research, and there are a lot of names, you know, some great names out there that do try to expose this research as much as possible and have really educated, um, educated their communities about this misconception. 
uh, is that it's really not iron that's the problem. Iron, we actually are born into a world that's where it becomes very easy to become iron overloaded. Like you said, we have food that's fortified. Um, we have iron from just rust in our pipes. We're bathing in, in tap water um, that's being absorbed into our cells. Uh, there's iron everywhere. And what's interesting about iron is that we actually have an innate um, iron recycling system. So we really do not need iron. We need that iron recycling system to work efficiently. Mm. What is missing in this process, and most of us are probably born into the world already depleted of this crucial mineral, is copper. Most people that are diagnosed with uh, anemia actually are copper deficient. Interesting. So, and again, the science of this is a little bit complex, but um, most of the time when people are supplementing iron because these, I don't, I don't even know another word to say other than half-assed, so I apologize, but these sort of half-assed uh, blood panels that we get, um, that don't really tell the whole picture, the whole, the whole story, similar to the vitamin D um, panels that we all take. They um, don't do them here in Canada. Oh, really? No. I don't oh, even know what my vitamin are, D levels are. Really? So interesting. Yeah. Well, most of the ones that most practitioners do is here as well. They only tell half the story. And so that's, that's another huge problem, but you know, story for another time. Yeah. Um, so the, the blood panels that we get back, they don't show the whole picture. And most of the time we are so copper deficient um, and copper is really uh, the, the mineral that is super overlooked. And a lot of what, I didn't even really realize this, but a lot of the people that I have learned from always say, you know, people are so worried about copper toxicity. I didn't even know that was a thing, but apparently everybody's just was so, everybody's is so worried about, oh, you're so low in iron and you're so toxic in copper. And really it's the opposite. And sadly, I think that this is, um, dare I say, purposely suppressed information. Interesting. I do have to go back and say they do vitamin D levels here in Canada. I meant to say Calgary not Canada. Oh, Calgary. Well, I wonder why Calgary and not. I don't know. Cause like in Saskatchewan, my grandma got her vitamin D levels checked and yeah. here I've asked my doctor and he's like, they won't run them. Oh, that is so interesting. Yeah. But you know, honestly here you get your vitamin D levels checked and they're only checking one aspect. Mm -hmm. And most people, funny story yesterday, I had to go see an endocrinologist, which I think, you know, by now I'm very, you know, I don't like to see doctors in general, but I had to do it because in order for me to get physical therapy at this time for my current situation, mm -hmm. um, I'm required to go show the orthopedic surgeon what my internal health looks like from an endocrinology standpoint. So what we were talking about, she brought up vitamin D and she said, well, gosh, it looks like your levels were really great last time. You, you don't supplement with vitamin D? <laughs> I said, no. And she's like, oh, okay. And I said, I used to, and it, it became 
very harmful. And she said, well, yeah, actually, um, you know, people think that just popping a pill, a vitamin D pill or whatever is going to solve all the problems. And I said, don't you mean hormone D? <laughs> and she said, yes, that's right. Um, she, cause she said fat soluble vitamin. And I said, isn't it a hormone actually? And she goes, she looked at me and smiled. She's like, it is. She's like, it's more complicated than people think. And I was really, um, pleasantly surprised that she had said that to me because most endocrinologists or just MDs in general don't even acknowledge that vitamin D is actually in fact a hormone. So you and don't supplement with vitamin D. I do not know. I want to I hear more. Because it, it depletes, it depletes a lot of other nutrients. Yeah, I do not. Cause I absolutely do. And that's interesting. About this. Yeah. Yeah. I do not. Yeah. Um, what do you make of people like with the whole COVID situation and being low in vitamin D? I think that there's, there's a lot that's not being talked about. Um, vitamin D, oh boy, vitamin D is a little, it can be very dangerous to supplement. And while I do think that vitamin D levels in general, um, are very important. You know, we have to, we, we have to have this imbalance for our body to work well. Um, I just don't think that people are educated on the whole picture. And I feel like this onset of everybody rush to go throw vitamin D back as if it's going to be the savior and help them avoid is a total scam. Really? Yeah. I think that it is really, really, um, misused. And I think that on average myself included, okay. I used to feel this way. Um, I felt like, oh, if I just supplement with vitamin D, like that's just going to up the levels, not taking into consideration that it was going to affect other levels of other things like calcium, as an example. Um, or the regulation of calcium in the body. So yeah, I actually will say that my doctor who I'm with now, the one that I love, he asked me to get off vitamin D years ago and I fought him on it. And I said, no, I have to get, I have to stay on it. And he said, Vanessa, you don't need it to get off. Well, by the grace of God, I started to learn here and there. And I started to peel back the onion on this whole vitamin D topic. And lo and behold, I will say that I was suppressing my immune system. That is so I was interesting. Taking, yeah. And I was taking a, a high dose. I was taking 10,000 international units of vitamin D a day. You know, it's really yeah. interesting. Cause I, like I was taking five, uh -huh. um, and I've cut back to between three and four but you're not the first person that I've heard talk about how we shouldn't be taking vitamin D and I'll be the first to admit, like I'm on the vitamin D train and I'm like, I'm a proponent of, of taking vitamin D, but I would like to do some more research on this topic. I will be happy to send you some. Yeah. yeah. I love this. Um, yeah. because, and, and the thing is like, I, I don't even, you know, I think we need to be flexible and Agreed. willing to evolve in, in our views and our perspectives when we, this is the whole thing about like in university, you learn about the scientific method 
And yeah. part of that scientific method is creating hypotheses. And then you test those hypotheses and if they work great, but then if new information comes in, then you have to retest. And this is where the scientific community does always do a good job because they're like, well, no, I came up with this hypothesis. I got my answer. It doesn't matter that we have this um, contradictory information coming in. I want to stay with my hypothesis, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. It's a bit rigid. And I think, and I, you know, I talk about this a lot on Instagram, which is one of, if not the most important thing, especially if you're trying to heal from anything is to have an open mind Mm -hmm. and to be able to change to realize that sometimes changing your mind is okay because we have been, I think, indoctrinated in to a system that has really programmed us in a way to believe certain things, you know, and I, and I, I think that the corruption runs really deep and I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but I have committed to always, um, I've committed to always reminding myself that an open mind is the key because I have been blown away by the things I have learned over the years. Um, and I, I, I mean, things that I was so rigid on, that I never thought that I would budge, you know, and, and here I am doing the opposite mm-hmm. and with results. And again, yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know everything. And I am not the end, you know, and I always feel like it will be that way. Like it will be, I will hopefully always evolve and try to keep that door as open as possible because I want to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to be afraid of the, cause what, what happens is people can get very triggered by the changing of information. Yep. How could this be true? We've been lied to, or we don't know the whole truth, or we only know 40% of the story when there's this other 60% hiding behind the curtain. So I have really tried to train myself to not be as triggered by when new information arises. Mm -hmm. I can, I do my best to look at it and not shy away and throw my hands up in the air and say, I can't deal with this because I feel like that's really easy to do. And I've done that before Mm -hmm. in my past, you know, especially with the whole vitamin D fight I had with my doctor years ago, I just shunned him. I was like, no, (laughs) and here I am, here I am. Yeah. You know, I used to be really, um, insecure when I first started working with clients and, you know, like nutrition and exercise science is always changing. And it is like the wild, wild West. You can go and look up anything and find something to support your yes. position. Empirical, yes. empirically based Empir- information. Empirical evidence. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, And I used to be really like, Oh, I I told you this and maybe that doesn't work, but actually like, that's just life. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So I would even like wager to say, I'm going to do that research on vitamin D and see what it's like to not take it because I love changing and seeing things because we have to advocate for our own health. A hundred percent. Nobody, you know, I learned this at at 17 or 18 years old. I, I remember thinking, um, this is going to be life-changing, but I don't know how. Mm. And the thing that I really realized through the years was that nobody was going to do this for me. I was going to have to take this into my own hands. And I really have been the black sheep of my family as an example. You know, um, my mom worked in healthcare growing up. Um, she wasn't an RN, but, um, she worked as an RN back in those days, you sort of did everything 
yep. that an RN, you know, could do without having the actual title. Um, actually, fun fact, I actually went to college initially to go to nursing school. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it didn't work out. The program was over, was just completely impacted. And I felt, you know, I was pretty bummed, but I, and so I changed course. Um, and man, was that a blessing in disguise and nothing against nothing against that. My sister's an RN and a, in a great one. Um, it, but I just don't think that was the path for me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned that no matter what, no matter what I was going, I couldn't depend on any one person. I couldn't depend on a doctor. I couldn't depend on a therapist, a physical therapist. I couldn't depend on, I had to really depend on me at the end of the day and truly my intuition about Mm -hmm. things. And sometimes I got things right. Sometimes I got things wrong, but, um, no one is going to advocate for your health the way you are. Yep. Nobody. No one cares about your health as much as you do. No, no. And hopefully, you know, for those who are listening and if you are challenged with any sort of health condition, you have some sort of support system or you have, you know, a partner or family who cares about you. That is so important, but that drive has to come from you. Mm -hmm. It has to come from within because nobody's going to do the work for you. Yeah. Preach. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of things that we do that we think are healthy. And one of those things is we eat certain foods that we believe are healthy you have a little bit of a different standpoint on polyunsaturated fats <laughs> I do, <laughs> and, and it goes against the green a little bit, but also not <laughs> if you're, if you're into more of like, I hate calling it alternative health. Like why is that alternative? Health? I know and the other I one know. is, is main health. I hate that. I hate that <laughs> term, but for lack of better terms, um, <laughs> let's switch gears a little bit and talk about PUFAs or polyunsaturated fats and your view on them. Sure. So when I was about 29, uh, I 28, 29, I started to, I followed the directions of my doctor at the time who said, I think that you really need to lay off gluten, which I still, I still, I still actually really don't eat gluten. Um, just because I'm still in a healing, very much a healing process. And I think here, especially here in, in America, the, you know, wheat is not produced in the best way. So it can be pretty inflammatory, but, um, I started to adopt, um, a diet that was heavily on the alternative end of things. So we're talking about gluten-free bread. We're talking about, um, things that were and dairy-free as well. I'll, I'll add that in, but I started to incorporate a lot of alternatives. And over the years, I would say, especially the, I would 30 to about, 40. So for about a decade, I started to incorporate a ton of nuts and seeds into my diet. Um, why? Because a lot of these alternatives, that's what they go to. It's not just rice flour and those kind of things anymore, potato starch and corn flour. Um, but a lot of things are almond flour. And I also really fell head first into the, like you said, quote unquote, alternative health realm. Um, you know, and then you get on social media and it's like in your face everywhere with the nut butters and the smoothies and everybody's using 
nuts and seeds for everything. everything. And um, I strangely, many, many years ago, had an intuition that this was not going to be helpful, but I kept telling myself, what's your alternative? What's your alternative? You can't, you're already not eating gluten. Or you're already dairy. not eating much dairy. And at the time I wasn't eating red meat. So, which was another problem for me. Um, so well, of course I just have to, right. This is my, this is my game. I got to do it. I got it. So what was I doing? I was for a good decade or more. I just filled my diet with, um, polyunsaturated fatty acid type foods. So lots of nuts and seeds, tons of almond butter. I mean, I was going through jars of nut butter a week. Um, I was putting them in smoothies. I was getting almond flour based tortillas, almond flour, bread, almond flour, baked goods, almond flour, whatever, right. Mm -hmm. Cashew this, um, you know, just really heavy on the PUFAs and PUFAs for those who are listening also are, you know, it's like polyunsaturated. You think like canola oil, that is also what would be considered a PUFA one that is, you know, pretty something you really want to stay away from if you can. I mean, it's really hard to, especially if you're going to be social and go out and things like that, you're always going to run into this stuff. But, but in general, my diet was extremely high in polyunsaturated fatty acids because they are present in things like nuts and seeds. Mm. So what happens when the body um, is sort of has an overabundance of these PUFAs is it feeds the estrogen it, it essentially creates estrogen, I should say, in the body. And it's estrogen in the tissues. That's where it builds up. Um, I know people can go and get their hormones checked and they might come out in range, but that doesn't mean that their body is not producing, or I should say, it's almost like a mimic, I think, mm-hmm. you know, where like the estrogen um, just like it develops, but in a different way and it settles in the tissues. And, um, you can get all kinds of symptoms from, from an overabundance of PUFA. Um, a lot of women will see hormone imbalances. That's probably one of the biggest things. Um, and (sighs) digestive troubles. (laughs) I don't know. I used, I used to laugh when I would hear someone would say, I heard someone say once, um, oh, you have nut guts (laughs) and it's like, Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> you know, like, like digestion. Yeah. Digestion is not always the cutest when you're eating a ton of nuts. Um, and Especially so with like autoimmunity, like nuts exactly. are a known trigger for autoimmunity and seeds. Exactly. And here we are in the alternative, alternative quote, health industry or health realm, just pushing this stuff like crazy. And most of these at least online too, a lot of these influencers have autoimmune, Mm. but yet it's like heavy on the nuts and seeds, which are, like you said, a major trigger. Yeah. Um, and I think that myself included, it's like, you can get so wrapped up in, well, I, I, I have issues and I need the replacement, but you're not realizing what those replacements are doing. Mm -hmm. So about a year yeah, a little over a year ago, I decided I was going to change my diet. I decided that I was going to lay off 
of a lot of nuts and seeds. I was going to eliminate the nut butters. I decided I was going to scale back, not entirely, you know, if I go out to dinner and there's nuts on a salad, I'm not going to be crazy and orthorexic and pick them all off. I'm going to eat them. But just really starting to focus my nutrition on what is actually going to be nourishing my body and what is actually potentially not nourishing my body, right? Just look at it from that approach and learn about how these nuts and seeds are not complete proteins. They're not something that is fueling us and our cells and our mitochondria at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, the Mm -hmm. way that maybe people assume it, they are. Mm -hmm. So I will tell you that I saw a drastic difference, um, in a short period of time and my digestion, my digestion got better. Um, I also started taking vitamin E, which helps with that sort of detox of PUFA or I should say overabundance. Right. And Hey, I mean, I'm in California. (laughs) If you, if you have a standard American diet growing up, you got an overabundance of PUFAs. That's just with all the snack foods and the, you know, I mean, if going out to Mexican food here and there and, you know, just living the, living the, living the dream, living the kid dream, you know, with all of the, all that stuff, with all the processed junk. Like, I mean, I came from a, a family where my mom cooked a lot and was lucky, but we also, we got all the treats. Yeah. And I ate all the fast food as a kid. Mm-hmm. which lo- is loaded, right? Loaded with all the seed oils, loaded yep. with all the canola, loaded with all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it was there. It was all there. And what the vitamin E helped, the way vitamin E helped is that it helps slowly detox that estrogen from your tissues, sort of helps move it through a bit, kind of wipes up and, um, yeah, helps detox that excess estrogen over time. Um, because a lot of that you've got, you end up with endotoxins and all kinds of stuff that need to be pushed through and vitamin E can be helpful for that. Um, so yeah, it, I definitely am not the same eater, I should say, as I was even a year, year and a half ago, I was light on the dairy, I was super hard on the nuts and seeds. I did not, I had not incorporated meat back into my diet. I was still only eating chicken and turkey and uh, fish. And now I eat super high quality dairy and a decent amount of it raw when I can get it. Um, I, I eat red meat again and pork um, and pasture raised poultry. Um, I try to limit my PUFAs, you know, Mm -hmm. I try, Mm -hmm. I have relaxed a bit on a lot of the, the roughage. I know we were talking earlier about salads and stuff, you know, it's like salads amazing, but sometimes it could be a little harsh on the digestive system. And so just looking at nutrition from a nourishment quote unquote standpoint, what is going to help nourish my body, nourish my hormones, nourish my organs. Um, and help facilitate a little, an environment that's, that wants to heal Mm. because I think I was hindering the healing process, even though I thought that I was helping the healing process by using all the alternatives. 
Yeah. And that's what we're told. It's like, you know, eat a ton of salad, eat a ton of raw vegetables. There's the whole raw movement thing. Um, but just like a little bit of science to give you a, a bit of a scientific mind cookie on raw vegetables. If you, if women were meant to eat raw vegetables or we, we were evolutionarily meant to eat raw vegetables, then we wouldn't see the health declines that come when, when women eat a raw vegan diet. So we know that women who only eat raw up to 50% will lose their menstrual cycle. So evolutionarily, how would we have procreated if we were meant to eat a raw diet? We were absolutely Um, not. I completely, I completely agree. And and you know what? It's, it's so crazy because I have, I I have been blown away by the amount of um, women that I have seen or spoke to that have really suffered so much with their hormones and it all boiled down to diet. Like veganism destroyed. Like, I actually think that that was the precursor to some of the hormone issues that I experienced later on. I don't doubt it because you're missing, well, you're missing mostly all complete proteins, number one. And then therefore you're not getting your fat soluble vitamins, choline in general, you know, aid, I mean, ADE and K that is so crucial and critical. Also those minerals that are found in, um, a lot of your animal proteins, they're just not present. And then you have the whole entire other side of the fence, which is okay. Yeah. Fruits and vegetables are great. And believe me, they are. I mean, in moderation, I love fruit, especially, but look at our soil these days. Look at how depleted our soil is in general. Our minerals are not what they used to be. They're not coming through the ground the way that they used to be. So we're not getting those minerals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why also sourcing from animal, animal, animal protein sourcing is so important too, because the, the uh, vitamins, the nutrients that are coming from those sources, we have to make sure that they're raised properly, that the sourcing is decent. Otherwise we're, we're just sort of, you know, we're going to stay, we're just not going to get the nutrients that we need, yeah. but yeah, when you're, when, I mean, I'm definitely I dabbled, not entirely, but I dabbled in the vegan arena for a while. I tried really hard and I have never had such low energy in my life. That's what my and husband was, said too. Yeah. He just couldn't, he couldn't like, and I know people that, that feel great, Yeah, but they also have to supplement a lot. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to have to supplement my life away. It's, it's true. And it's hard to supplement certain things. Bottom line, there are certain things that are very hard to supplement. Yeah. You can supplement whole food, uh, vitamin C. uh, Well, you can get vitamin C again, it's quality too. You can supplement your bees. You can supplement your, you can supplement retinol, but can you, I mean, the best retinol sources, I mean, yeah. And then like things like cod liver oil, yeah. A vegan's not going to take cod liver oil, you know, no, which is like a vitamin A and D bomb. I mean, that's really going to give you a good dose of, of, of vitamin A and D. And yeah, I, it's, you're definitely, um, it's hard. It's hard because a lot of people, 
morally don't want to budge, which I, I completely understand, but it's like a get the cost. What is the cost of that? Yeah. So what kind of supplements are your, like, um, what the, what the mainstream health community thinks is great to take that you're like, nah, that you maybe took, like we talked about vitamin D you used to take that. You're yeah, like, vitamin no, D, no, calcium. No. Yeah. Cause the I rock feel like we're base, overly, we're definitely overly calcified as a society. Um, and calcification is a big thing, especially well. rock based so, calcium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? What else? Do you take fish oil? I do. Oh, fish oil is a fish oil is a hard no for me. Um, but I do, I did just start implementing cod liver oil, which is different than fish oil. Yep. Um, I've done a lot of research on fish oil and I personally, I personally don't take, I used to, but I, I pulled back on that. Um, I just feel like it probably is a bit more toxic to the body. That's just in my research, like what I've listened to, who I've listened to and what I've read. Um, I just feel like that's not the best option. Um, but cod liver oil, I did recently just implement into my diet because I feel like I do need more retinol and retinol helps with activating the bioavailable copper in the body, which is something that I know that I need more of. Um, so no, yeah, no on fish oil, no on D, um, no on calcium, uh, definitely no on iron, no on ascorbic acid, which is snaps for that. Yes. So whole food vitamin C is exceptional. Ascorbic acid is not. And, you know, these supplement companies are making a mint, um, selling this exorbic acid and it is actually doing more harm than good. Um, it's really just the shell of the vitamin C molecule. And it's really not full on vitamin C, despite what these companies tell you, you know, and it's like, people are out there down in the emergency and all oh, I know. Brackets. I know they're awful. I know they you and I destroy talked about your it. gut as well. They destroy you. They're all terrible. Um, so yeah, definitely no on ascorbic acid. Um, I don't even do like the whole, I know there's a lot of people on the whole liposomal vitamin C trend. I, I don't personally, I just stick to whole food vitamin C. So if that looks like a supplement, what is, you know, that's like a camu camu or something that is just derived from whole food. Yep. So, and then you can get it, of course, from your, your food, you know, your citrus fruits, your, your fresh orange juice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Berries, pomegranates, um, yep. certain vegetables have vitamin C, but yeah, no on the ascorbic acid <laughs> and it's in everything. They put that stuff as a preservative and food it's in supplements. You know, I have a, a, supplement that I give Tilly and Pearl, my dogs, um, which has like a tiny bit in there as a filler. And I freaked out about that. You know, know. my doctor it is in everything. It's in everything. It's in everything. So what supplements do you, do you personally take? And I know we can't say like, Oh, I take this. So everyone should, we're not saying that. I just think it's, it's very interesting to see what people's supplement regimes are. Yeah, for sure. I know it's very, we're very individual. Um, yeah, it's good to say that right off the bat. I do have some supplements that I take, um, that my doctor give me, my doctor gives me, um, according to what my body needs at the time. So, um, 
like I take something for my, for my adrenals. Uh, it's a whole food based supplement for my adrenals. Um, I do take desiccated liver, okay. a liver supplement. And I also have another one that I take, uh, as well. Um, I take whole food vitamin C, which is camu camu based. Um, oh my gosh. I just recently implemented the cod liver oil in for vitamin A and D. Uh, but again, I try to get D from, you know, the sun Sun. as well. Um, not slathering on that sunscreen then, eh? No, I try really hard. Well, actually I'm pretty fair. So I try really hard. Here's a fun fact for you about sunscreen. So vitamin E. So, okay. The more, the more PUFA you have in your tissues, the more prevalent you are a lot of times, depending on your, depending on your, your skin and your genetics and all that, but say you're like, you're fair, like I am, you will actually, um, see that come out on the skin in terms of brown spots. Okay. Melasma is a perfect example of that too. A lot of times that's like excess estrogen in the body. Yep. So, uh, with vitamin E, I have noticed that it really works as an internal sunscreen. And I, when I'm outside as fair as I am, I do not burn anymore. And just for reference, she lives in California. (laughs) Yeah. I live in Southern California where it's, you know, sunny 80% of the time, 90% of the time. Um, so I don't burn anymore and I could see residual, um, effects of the estrogen, the excess estrogen on my skin by means of those brown spots and things like that, uh, which is called lipofuscin actually. But yeah, it's interesting. I, I can't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I knew it was the vitamin E, but vitamin E does act as an internal sunscreen. So I actually will throw a sunscreen on my face. None of the benzones, right? I do like more of a zinc oxide. It's something that's in like a tinted moisturizer I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll throw that on my face. I'm going to be out in the sun for a long time, but I don't, I try really hard not to put it on my body because typically I'm not outside for more than 20, 25 minutes at a time, especially right now with my leg, I'm not out walking for hours at a time. So, you know, but yeah, that's really interesting. Interesting to note about vitamin E. Yeah. I also, um, I don't usually wear sunscreen at all. Yeah. I know people are like, that's like the number one anti-aging thing. And it's like, yeah, but there's also tons of chemicals that could age. It is. It is. And what's interesting is that a lot of these companies that are marketing all of the sunscreen also fund all of the cancer. Uh, how do I say the, the, you know, research. Yeah. yeah. The research, the quote unquote research, you know, yeah. and all that. Yeah. So you, so you take vitamin E, you think that that's a must for you? I think for me right now it is. Do I think that taking vitamin E like for years and years and years long-term, I think it's super individual, honestly, whether yeah. or not someone would need it or if they, my guess is I've taken breaks. I've taken breaks. I haven't taken it consecutively. Um, I try to be really intuitive but with my supplements. Me too. There's probably not a day that goes by where I take the same exact regimen. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to say that I have implemented minerals into my diet. Like I have never 
before. And that has been something that has been really helpful. What, what Um, do you mean when you say that? Like what kind of minerals? So actually, if you were to look at my water bottle right now, there's minerals in here. Yeah. So like a fulvic and humic acid mineral drink that I throw into here. Um, because I just feel like as a whole, we are so mineral depleted. Um, and minerals really are sort of the spark plugs of our body. Um, and I feel like we are, we also live in a world where we get these minerals depleted very quickly. Um, all of the toxins that, you know, we're faced with every day. I mean, we can't run and crawl in a hole, but what can we do? We can mitigate. So what is one of the ways we can mitigate by doing something like increasing your minerals? Now this is individual for everybody, right? How much magnesium someone might need, how much, um, uh, I take shilajit as well. So, you know, how much shilajit is a, a good source of fulvic acid. Yes, exactly. And minerals. And so, you know, what, what, what some person A might take more shilajit, person, person B might take, you know, a little bit and be fine. I mean, it's very individual, but I definitely incorporate minerals into my daily life. Um, and like I said, along with my magnesium bicarbonate, uh, which I just throw into my water, mm-hmm. but that, been a that's been a big that's been a big thing for me as well Mm. um and yeah just you know I have some some supplements that I like I kind of I'll throw in here and there um most of those are mostly you know like my my doctor will muscle test me um I take a probiotic I've been I've it's it's worked do I think probiotics are always necessary no not necessarily but for me, I think it's been helpful. Um, I don't, I mean, I've never really tried being without it, mm-hmm. but I've gone like a few days without it here and there. Um, but pretty much everything I do take, I will, I will muscle, I will have him muscle test me to see if it's, um, if it's, if it's something that, cause there has been a few things that I've been like, Oh, I, I want to take this. I, I, you know, I, I, this, I know this is going to be awesome and I'll take it to my doctor and I'll have him test it against my body. And he's like, no, no go. And I, here I am thinking this is going to be like the next crest, you know, the next best thing. And it wasn't suitable. And I think yeah. it's, it's important too. um, like your body will tell you what vitamins work for you and what don't, you know, like yes. B, B vitamins is a perfect example. Like if you don't need B vitamins, especially methylated B vitamins. If your methylation is working just fine and you take methylated B vitamins, you can get anxious, itchy all over your body. Like it's, it's insane. I was taking methylated B vitamins and I don't need them. And I would get headaches. Like you wouldn't believe. And I, my body kept telling me, stop taking the B vitamins, but I was so on the B vitamin train I'm like, no, I needed, I had high homocysteine. My doctor told me I need 3000 milligrams of B12. I did not need 3000 milligrams of B12. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is, you know, B vitamins, I think are, again, I feel like it's just misconception over mis, after misconception, synthetic B vitamins. You have to be really, really careful. You do too, because I'm pretty sure don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that they can also deplete the body of you have to be really careful. If you take an, a, 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 if you take a lot of synthetic B, I'm pretty sure it depletes your minerals, including magnesium. Yeah. And, and if you're concerned with B vitamins, like a really great whole food source is to take liver 
if, if you can't eat exactly. liver, you could take liver capsules. I take liver capsules that are yeah. like amazing and you get yeah. the vitamin A and you get yes. the choline, you yep, get zinc right. and taking yeah. zinc, you know, like synthetic zinc can be really damaging as well. That's right. That's another one that I don't take. <laughs> yeah. That's another one that I don't, and zinc is really interesting because people will say like, oh, well, my zinc is low. Um, but really it's, it's, it's so complicated. It, I just, I don't think that a lot of times like, oh, I need to take zinc. I need to take zinc. A lot of times it's copper that's mm. low, but zinc steps in because copper's so low zinc will step in to take over. It's, it's, it's so, in, there's such a dance with these vitamins and minerals, you know, people, including myself, when I was younger, I think that it, we all just had this idea that if we took something, it was going to yeah. boost us. Yes. And reality is that's not the case. Yeah. You know, we can, when you take something, you have to expect that it's going to then also affect or possibly, I don't want to say adversely, but sometimes adversely affect something else. And there's always going to be this balance. It's not just like, okay, we need ABCDEFGHA and then let's take them all and then just yeah. expect to be healthy. That's just and not the way it works. Exactly. And in those really concentrated forms, the body does not process it like it no. does a whole food source. So like camu camu compared to ascorbic acid or, you know, your B vitamins or your zinc compared to beef liver and people can't stomach beef liver. A lot of them can't, but beef liver capsules, if you get a good quality source, you're getting those nutrients and it's your body recognizes that it doesn't That's recognize right. the synthetic vitamins. Like we think it does. It's so true. It's so true. And what happens, in fact, my doctor gave me a, a scientific, like a scientific lesson a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I love the conversations that we have. And he, he actually explained to me that a lot of times what happens when we take these synthetic vitamins is actually what happens is, is we actually block the ability to absorb the actual vitamin yeah. <laughs> that the receptors get damaged. And we, there's an uptake of it. The synthetic version, the, the synthetic stuff, the, the body is then unable to accept the real stuff. And so a lot of these like companies out there that sell like a lot of these multivitamins, like Centrum and all that stuff, it's just toxic poison. It's poison yeah. and they're making millions off yeah. of this stuff. And people are just thinking it's working. And you go, yeah. you, you go to your whole foods or here it's community or blush lane and, and the supplement aisle is just as big as the pharmaceuticals pantry. hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's a huge business. I think I remember saying something like this on my stories a couple of weeks ago. I think you know we have to remember that the alternative health industry, or I should say mainstream health industry, however you want to call it, is still number one a business. Yes. You know they're not here saying, Vanessa, Lena, we care so much about your health. You know we 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 just we we're taking such an investment in, in, in a and we just want you to know. They're thinking wallet. Yep. The people want vitamin C. Let's give them cheap vitamin let's C. Give them vitamin C. Yep. And let's give them the, I was thinking about this the other day. Let's give them the, the lowest grade stuff, but slap the label on it. Yeah. You know, slap the label on it because that's what they know. And that's what they recognize. And that's what, and, and it's successful. Yeah. Because you know, it's, it's successful. It's symptomatic of our society because 
we don't want to go back to our plate and take responsibility for the food that we eat. And I know there's so much more than just personal responsibility. There's biopsychosocial factors, but we don't want to go and do the hard work. We want to take a pill and, and the body just doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. We've been conditioned as a society to band-aid everything, to outsource everything. And of course, you know, are we outsourcing by taking uh, cod liver oil or uh, I mean, yes, it's still outsourcing, but you know, do the research, mm-hmm. be open, change, be able to be able to look beyond because I feel like when something again, something I always say is when something is really loud, you always have to question it. Mm. Right. If, if everybody is scream, if, if the media and every doctor in the world is screaming, vitamin D and it's loud look beyond that loudness you know look beyond always look at things from a critical from a critical perspective do not just take what you see and hear at face value and that shouldn't be something scary that should be be something empowering just empowering truly mm-hmm. we we do have a lot of the power does does lie with us and it can be super overwhelming. I get that. I have, believe me, this is, I have had a, such an insane journey and it is not over. I am in the thick of it right now. But when we continually outsource, we're never going to find true health. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're never going to find it. And yeah. when, we, when we are very trusting and very just, we stay on the surface, you know, oh, we saw a commercial for this. So that looks good. Okay. We'll go get that at the store. It's like, do you really need it though? And what you're probably not saying is for like on this whole copper conversation is well, you're probably not telling people to go out and buy a copper supplement. Are you? Correct. I'm not. <laughs> okay, I, actually just... think, I actually think most copper comes from, you know, whole, like real food. There, there are people who do take copper supplements. In fact, there's a researcher um, that I follow know fairly closely i've listened to him speak for hours and hours and hours morley robbins he just came out with a copper supplement recently and um no i have not tried it do i plan to no not really um like i said i think it's very individual and i feel like there are ways to know your levels too um i think like a full monty iron panel and you know you could do hgma testing which sometimes doesn't give the whole picture but it could be fun i just actually submitted (laughs) I just actually um, submitted my hair for an HGMA test last yes. this last week. So that'll be fun to get back, um, which for your listeners is a hair and tissue mineral analysis test. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are definitely ways to sort of, you got to dig though. I mean, it's not just going to yeah. going to your primary care and being like, I want to know where my copper is. <laughs> it's just unfortunately not the case. You will not find but, that out. Yeah. But I will say that, you know, I would bet my bottom dollar that 99.9% of people that we come across are copper deficient. Amazing. I would, I would say, yeah. Well, I could just keep talking to you for hours. Um, <laughs> we know, do, we so- do talk for hours because, uh, we do we're friends. We're, we're also I know. friends. <laughs> I know. Lucky me, lucky me to have you as a friend. Oh no, it's, <laughs> it's mutual, but I always end the podcast with fun questions. Oh, okay. So now you are the recipient of these questions. 
Okay. I, I'm ready. I hope I'm ready. Shoot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you're stranded on a desert Island and can only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, I would say some, oh, I'm torn right now because I'm going like, okay, nutritionally, how do I survive versus nope. what just tastes the best? Nope. Just like purely pleasurable what you oh, would. Oh, pleasure? Yep. If all nutrients <sighs> were created equal. Oh, okay, cool. All nutrients are created equal. Um, That is so hard. I love food so much. That's a really hard one for me. I'm going to say like a med, like I love Mediterranean food. Cause I come from a, um, my mom is middle Eastern. So any sort of Mediterranean style, like meza platter, mm. you know, I know there's different foods on that, but I, I just don't know if I can nail it down. That's fair. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Amazing. What's the best meal you've ever eaten your entire life? Holy cow. These are hard. Oh my gosh. Bring back the science questions. <laughs> um, let's see. I remember being in Hawaii once and and having, I think it was lobster, lobster or something. I don't even remember what, what I know. Obviously, it must not have been the best because I can't remember what I ate. I remember <laughs> Um, I don't know that you've stumped me the best meal I've ever eaten. Oh my gosh. Probably on, I would say probably on vacation somewhere, um, like in Hawaii or in Tahiti. I had some really good food in Tahiti when I went like five or six years ago, but I can't specifically nail down a meal. I am so, I'm so, I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. I can't, I can't. That's like, that's like pressure for me. Cause I just, you know, I love food so much. It's like, how do I even answer? <laughs> that's fine. I'm, I'm okay that, that you're stumped. What's, <laughs> what's your least favorite food? Ooh, I hate asparagus. Really? Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't hate it. I take it back. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I just, I never, I just don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I will eat it. My mom actually makes a good asparagus with like olive oil, um, like roasted asparagus, but I will never buy it. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan. Well, it's crazy yeah. expensive here. So I don't know what it's like yeah. in the U S but it is. I like... don't, I don't know. Oh, and I hate kale. That's another one. Oh, those are like two I hate my favorite kale. things. I love kale. Yeah, no, I hate kale. I feel like it's really disruptive on the system too. It can it's be. really hard. Yeah, it's really hard digestively. But I I had I would eat kale and I would be sick for like 36 hours. Wow. Yeah. I'm I, just I, not a fan of that. Also, like sauteing it can really help. Like a big raw kale salad can be really Ugh. I can't, you know, what's funny is I sauteed. I remember the last time I got sick, um, from it, I had sauteed it and I had put it in like a spaghetti squash dish that I was making with some sort of ground meat. And, um, yeah, I was sick for an, like the consecutive day or two. And I, I ended up asking my doctor about it and he muscle tested me and he's like, stay away from kale. <laughs> I swear. Wow. Yeah. I know, not a fan. Asparagus and kale. 
big <laughs> no on the kale. So when, when no I on the kale. You, we're not going to have a kale salad when we go out. No, no <laughs> kale. I'll watch you eat it, girl. <laughs> What's your favorite restaurant? Oh my gosh. Um, my favorite restaurant. That is really hard living here because there are some really, really amazing restaurants. Um, I like a good steakhouse. Um, Mastro's here is really nice. Um, they're down in Corona Del Mar, California here. There's a Mastro's on the water. It's called Mastro's Ocean Club. That's a beautiful restaurant. Really lovely, really nice steaks and just beautiful atmosphere. Um, I also love like a really, really, really good sushi restaurant too. I don't eat sushi a lot. I find that it doesn't really love me either, if I'm honest. Me too. Yeah. But I love it. Mm. Like I love the, I love the ritual of sushi. Yeah. That, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love the, the, the I just ginger, love the wasabi. Yes. And the plate, the small plates. Yeah. You know? with the chopsticks and you got love the ambiance. Yes. Yeah. We've had some good restaurants here. There's, I know there's a, some good ones in LA. There's a couple really great ones in orange County as well. Um, but yeah, I'm really, I'm doing horrible with these food questions. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite travel destination that you've been to? Oh, wow. Um, fun story. I, traveled a lot through Mexico <laughs> when I was in my twenties in the midst of all that stuff too. Uh, and I stayed down in Puebla for like six weeks with a family down there. I was actually dating a guy at the time and that's, it was his family. And I think that that was my favorite travel time because I really was able to immerse myself in the culture mm and live in another country. Um, and it was a beautiful, very colonial city in Mexico. Um, yeah. So I'd have to say that was probably my, that was probably the most just overall really amazing experience. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What, what are some of your favorite books? Oh, wow. There's a book that I read a couple of years ago. Oh my gosh, we didn't even touch this. We didn't even touch this part of healing. Um, there's a book that I read a couple of years ago called The Healing Code by Dr. And Alexander Lloyd that opened my eyes a lot to trauma and cellular memory and how we store, not only do we store traumas, um, big or small traumas in our brain, but we also store it in our cells all over our body and how um, these things play out in our adult lives. And it was a really eye-opening book uh, for me. So I have to say that was a really good one. Um, I'm currently, Oh, there goes my dogs. I don't know if you can hear them. <laughs> I'm currently reading a book called the second mountain that I really enjoy as well. It's called the second mountain, a quest. I think it's called like a quest for a moral life or something moral life. I forget the author's name, but that's been a really great read so far. 
I'm trying to think. I feel like there are other books that I've really enjoyed that I just can't think right now. But yeah, those would be two that come to my mind off the top. Amazing. You could always do that as an Instagram post too, like post some of your favorite books. That's a great idea. Right? Yeah, that's a great idea. I do. I actually really love to read. I mean, I love to write, but I really do love to read. And I feel like I try to make time for it as much, much as I can. And I often get distracted too, mm-hmm. you know, like the phone's going off, the dogs are barking. There's a million other things going on, but I have been, I've tried really hard to make time for reading more. Um, the Bible is another one. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. I'm actually trying to make my way through it. Um, but yeah, the, I would say the Bible is another one of my top books, probably yeah. the top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. What are your non-negotiable health practices? Wow. What a great question. Well, I would say I try hard not to lose sight of the foundational things that we need to function at a level of contentment, which is trying to keep a regular sleep schedule, which is, um, that can be trying sometimes, you know, depending on the person's situation. I know for me, it's been trying over the years, um, both with my health and with other things that go on in life. Um, looking at my community, or I should say the people who I surround myself with and being really conscious of who is draining my energy and who is adding to it, I think is really important. Um, I have realized a lot about that aspect of my life in the last several years. And I think that sometimes it's not necessarily the supplements or the food that we intake, but it's also the energy that we intake. And that is, that can really be huge when, you know, so just surrounding yourself with people who um, are just lift you up in, in the way that you, that you need, you know, just community support. So I think that that is really just looking at your relationships as a whole, right? No one's perfect and no one's got a perfect life. And we've all got problems and issues and trials in, in that area. I'm, I'm certain of it, but that is important to be aware. And I'm working on finding more joy in my life again. I think that's fundamental and I think it is underrated. Um, I will, I will say that in this, you know, current couple of years, which we didn't even really talk about, but I've, I've been in the thick of it, um, with my health and, um, you know, my mobility and walking and trying to get back on my feet, literally after a spasm that I had had in my leg a couple of years ago. And, um, I lost a lot of joy because I think I lost a lot. I, I had to. I had to stop doing a lot of the things that I really loved, um, like fitness and traveling and, um, you know, simple things like going on a walk, going shopping, you know, things like that. So finding ways to implement more joy um, and not taking life too seriously, I think is a big one because without joy and just being able to laugh and Mm -hmm. just just really have a good time. You know, life is so stressful 
And we have to have some form of, of happiness and joy in our lives because that is so imperative for our nervous system and for our cells because our cells think and urge not think, but they feel everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when you're absent of that, your body will not heal. Yeah. It's so, so interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Kevin and I were just talking about this on our walk yesterday, how, um, we look at all of these hormones like estrogen and, and thyroid T T T S H T three, whatever. Um, and really like there's other things that drive those like oxytocin. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, Yes. And laughter and joy help you to produce oxytocin and intimacy and love and connection. And these drive those other hormones. And so these hormones are just actors on the stage, but the whole producer is something much bigger. Yes, it's so true. And I, I, I admittedly, I have been, I can say firsthand that I know what that dip feels like. Um, I think for me, the last few couple of years, I, I really saw myself, um, just with a lack, just a lack of, I think a lot of people actually have seen that, you know, since 2020, um, and then if you have other issues compiled on that, you know, take the world in itself is enough stress for every, for, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, combined with your own, your own struggles, your own personal stress, your personal lives, um, you know, relationship problems, marital issues, uh, you know, throw any of those things in and it, it can be really hard and detrimental. And if you're disconnected and you're not finding that joy at all mm-hmm. or that connection. I mean, gosh, I can't tell you how many times I just have been so grateful for Tilly and Pearl yeah. because they are a set, as crazy as those girls are, you know, my dogs, they are a sense of joy. They bring laughter and joy to my life every day. And Therapy I have seen pops. that. Yeah. I've seen that. I mean, I will co-regulate with them. Yeah. When they're not barking their, when they're not barking their faces off and driving me crazy, like they were this morning, (laughs) but I will, I will co-regulate my system with theirs because they are, they can provide such a sense of intimacy and love and, and support and connection as well. I mean, it's not just people, Mm -hmm. it's not just people, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I I believe what you said about the hormones that is ever so true. Yeah. Ever so true. What a great point. That's why I, you know, I created that post saying you cannot supplement out supplement a tax nervous system. <sighs> it's so true. That is, that has been my biggest wake up call in the last two years. Yeah. You cannot. Cause I, for, 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 you know, 20 years, I just thought what, how come I'm not getting better? You can take all the ashwagandha and holy yep. basil that you want. All the reishi and all yep. of this and all of that. You can take all the CBD that you want and nothing is going to replace. Yeah. And it's not that we're going to be in parasympathetic all the time. That's For not sure. the way it works. You'd be dead if but you didn't have a sympathetic nervous system. Exactly. Exactly. Right. You'd be, that tiger would be eating you. <laughs> yeah, you, would, you would be dead. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need that part. We are, we are so intricately and beautifully designed. That system is so beautifully designed. We need that. But yeah, when we're in sympathetic all the time, 
it's just a recipe for the opposite of homeostasis. It is just a recipe for dysregulation. Dysregulation. And, and, it, and it's an opportunity for anything and everything to creep in, you know? Yeah. At sickness, cancer, disease, mental and emotional disorders, quote unquote, um, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. What is the happiest moment of your life? Oh my goodness. Wow. The happiest moment of my life. I would say I was super, super happy on my wedding day. Yeah. Like that was a really amazing day. Yeah. Amazing. Ama- just that where it's like, you just can't believe everybody's there for you. You guys, you just can't believe it. You're just, you're just overwhelmed by the amount of love that, you know, that people are showing you and, and everybody's just there to celebrate you guys. And it's just crazy. Yeah. That was a really, really beautiful day. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And what advice would you like to leave our listeners with in regard to their health? Oh my goodness. Well, maybe two parts. Um, if, if you are someone who is challenged in any way, shape or form with your health, I will say, I I will say, don't give up, but, but more than that, it's your body is designed to heal given the right environment and don't take no for an answer. Your, all your body is trying to do is heal and adapt. And your body is always working for you and not against you. Even if you are in pain, even if you are having struggles, your body is always doing its best to keep it afloat, to keep you afloat and to keep you alive and going. And pain is a signal, right? Your body is never turning against you. It doesn't hate you. Um, and I used to think that way. I used to think that way because I've lived in chronic pain for so many years and I still am in pain every single day due to my current circumstance, but my mindset has changed. So I would say that is the most important thing. And then second part would be, like I said earlier, always, if you're, if you're on a health journey or if something ever comes up in your life that needs attention, or you're diagnosed with anything, always have an open mind. Don't just look at one option, one avenue, one path. Always look at multiple, always peel the onion layers back. Um, There's always going to be more information under the information. Do not take things at surface level. And if you have a feeling that something is not right, about a treatment, about your body, you're right. Your intuition will never lead you astray. And you just have to flow with it because the more that you, yeah, don't resist. If you feel like something is off, something is off. So listen to yourself, you know, pray a lot about it. And yeah, you will be led in the right direction, but 
definitely keep an open mind. I love that. And where can people find you? Oh, I mostly am on Instagram. My handle is, um, at the gift of goods. So the gift of goods. Um, I do have a TikTok also, but I'm not as active on there. Um, so mostly Instagram is where people can find me. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Wonderful. For now, for now, for now, for now, now. (laughs) you know, I know. Well, Vanessa, things in the works. (laughs) Yes. It was (laughs) such a pleasure to have you on. You are just like such a wealth of knowledge for anyone listening, go and follow Vanessa at the gift of goods on Instagram. She posts daily. Her stories are awesome. She's always like reposting different accounts. I followed so many accounts simply because (laughs) you've reposted content. Um, and I know that you do a lot of research yourself and as someone who really values research, and I'm, I'm not saying it's the pinnacle of everything, but I do value it. Um, I, I trust your judgment. So when you put something out there, I'm like, I'm going to pay attention to that. Even if I don't necessarily agree 100% on everything, I absolutely, um, will take a second look if it's coming from you. So I do really highly value your opinion and, Oh, I appreciate that so much. How humbling. No, thank you. I, I love to hear that because I really do like to pass content on, you know, especially if it's not just my content, but where I'm learning from. And I just, yeah, my passion is just to try to help in any way that I can. So what a humbling, thank you. That's, I'm so humbled by that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Thank you for having me. Yes. And we (laughs) will talk soon. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show and please leave me a review. You know, your reviews are what get this podcast out there and it would mean the world to me if you left one. You can also follow me on Instagram at underscore Lena, L-E-N-A, underscore Jade, J-A-D-E, where I post nutrition, psychology, and health content pretty much every day. All right, well, that is it for today. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day today, always remember, you are powerful over your health.